Welcome to the ministry of Smyrna Presbyterian Church. Founded in 1914, Smyrna Presbyterian Church believes in the Bible as the Word of God and so desires to preach, teach, pray, and sing that Word so as to know Christ and make Him known in our community, country, and world. We invite you to join us in that mission. Worship services are every Sunday at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Here now is our pastor, the Reverend Joel Smith. First Peter 5, verse 7, Casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Amen. Please be seated. No doubt whatever field you may work in, you look at reports, be it data reports, sales reports, spending reports, budget reports, health reports, the list goes on and on. Our life and our work are inundated with such reports. And as you know, they can only accurately report what has taken place in the past. No report can accurately report what is going to take place in the future. They may anticipate what may happen, but they cannot universally define what is going to take place. And we call such future reports projection reports. And that's what they are. They are projections. They're not promises. They are not guarantees by any means. But what if I told you that I could give you an accurate report of what is going to take place in your life this coming week? Obviously, I cannot, but play along with me if you would this morning. And since we are speculating here, what if I could tell you that I could even color code such a report into green, yellow, and red? Green are the good things that are going to take place. Yellow are the indifferent, the neutral, not necessarily good or bad. And then the red is that which you would imagine is not good. And perhaps even We might put things that are really, really bad into a dark red, a crimson red. Things that we wouldn't even want to talk about. Now let me ask you, if I could do such a thing, would you want such a report in advance? I'm guessing that you would not. That that knowledge would be too much. Sure, it would be great if that report was green and everything was good, but what if it was not? What if it was red or even perhaps dark red? Our week would be done before it even started. Such knowledge ahead of time would cripple us. We'd be paralyzed in fear. And obviously, as I mentioned, I don't have such a machine. I can't generate such a report. Yet I wonder, how many live as though they had such a report? With the worries of life that dictates your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, perhaps even your physical health. How many walk around as if they have a report and that report is in the red? And those items that are in red are upon your heart and mind. Perhaps because it was things that have happened in your past that have 
caused or elevated such a report. Or perhaps it's not even things that have taken place, but you think might take place. And as a result, you are thinking about them and you are fixed upon them. Quite frankly, oftentimes those thoughts can be overwhelming, can they not? They can cripple us emotionally and even physically. And that is what we call anxiety. And even for some of you, what you might experience as panic attacks. I heard a report this week that 225 million work days are lost every year just in America due to stress. Again, along with broken bodies and minds and hearts and marriages and relationships that come as a result of this stress, as a result of this anxiety, I think we can say it's an epidemic across our land. That these things, these anxieties, these worries, these attacks are real, and they are sadly life-altering. They are sad because they rob. They rob us of peace, of joy, of strength, of satisfaction in life. There's a modern Christian song out there right now that says, Fear will take your breath, stop you in your steps, will rob your rest, will steal your happiness. And I think we can all relate to that. We are all anxious people on one level or another. But the question is, what are we to do? Are we to just live our lives in such a way? Well, God, knowing our frame, knowing our disposition, knowing how feeble and frail we truly are, has not left us without an answer. And he tells us here in 1 Peter 5, 7, a short verse, but a verse rich and full of promises. Cast all your cares or cast all of your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. And so join me as we look at this passage in three points. Our cares, casting our cares, and finally, for he cares. First, our cares. This last Christmas, just a few weeks ago now, my wife and I received a very nice gift of a home speaker that had a built-in voice command on it, and so you can tell it what to play, and so you can tell what genre of music you may like to have. And we obviously enjoy music, no doubt you do as well, and it's usually in our home as we are cooking or Uh, enjoying or hanging out, we usually have music playing. And usually this machine is is quite good, uh, but sometimes it's like your children and it doesn't always get your commands exactly right. And so a few weeks ago, I told it to play upbeat music. And instead it said, here is some uplifting music. And what came on was the 80s song, Don't Worry, Be happy. Which truly is a uplifting, peppy, happy song, but it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. But it made me think, you know, 
If only it was that easy. Don't worry. Be happy. And it might be easy this morning for a sermon like this to be something like that song, to be very simplistic. Don't do that and start doing this and all will be fine. All will be well. Just turn your frown upside down. Be happy, as it were. My goal today is to be a little bit more robust and theologically accurate than that 80s ditty. Because I understand that our anxieties, our worries are more complicated and nuanced than that. If it was only that easy just to, to turn it off and to turn something else on. And I think what makes it so challenging and so difficult is that we all have cares and concerns. And in some ways, our cares and concerns are really not the problem themselves. And you might say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, the Lord created us to have cares. The Lord created us to have concerns. The problem is when those cares and concerns go too far and then turn into worry or anxiety. Cares and concerns themselves are a part of being human. It's a part of our human nature. It's a part of being responsible. All of us are to care for the things that God has given us to care about. Our duties, our responsibilities to our family, to our work, to our community. And oftentimes those cares can be difficult, no doubt. can be tiring. We can be exhausted. We all joke, no doubt, that sometimes we just want to get away especially during difficult days. We might even say, you know, what I need is a deserted island where I could be all by myself, just left alone, where no one can find me. And that sounds lovely. At times we do need to unplug, but the reality is if we were to do that, if we were to live in such a state, we could not fill the commands of God. We could not love God, and we could not love our neighbor in isolation. The point is that we have been put in this world to be agents of good, agents of dominion on this earth. And through that, we have our struggles. We struggle against the fallenness and curse of this world, and even the fallenness of our own bodies and our minds and our emotions that we battle against daily. And that is truly difficult. But it's out of that comes our cares and our concerns. We want our work to succeed. That is a good thing. But at times our work does not. And as a result, we have greater cares and concerns and sometimes even worry and anxiety. Same thing with our family, our marriage, our children. Or even ourselves, we desire for all of those things to flourish. That is a good thing. That is a God-given thing. But at times, all of those relationships, or even our physical health, is strained. And as a result, we have greater cares and concerns at certain times. And the list goes on and on. But the point is this. Almost all of our cares and concerns come out of things that are right and even good. 
In a sense, our worries come from a good place. We worry about getting old. We worry about our health, our finances, our debt, our job security, our diet, our physique, our looks, the crime around us, safety for our children, for our grandchildren. All of those things are not necessarily bad. In fact, we should be concerned about those things. To be indifferent towards them or apathetic, to shrug our shoulders and say, oh, well, who cares, would not be what God has called us to. It would be, in fact, wrong for us to have such an attitude. No doubt, children, young people, I'm sure every day, perhaps, if you're going to school, every morning you get questioned by your mother. Do you have your homework? Do you have your lunch? Do you have your water bottle? Do you have your jacket? Do you have everything you need for today? And don't forget, afterwards, I've got to pick you up because we've got to go to the doctor. And she gives you a whole list of things that you need to do or think about or remember. And at some point, you go, okay, okay, mom, I got it. And then you get that classic universal mom phrase, well, I do it because I love you. And that is absolutely right. Her cares and concerns come ultimately out of love. And so do all of ours. So we are to have cares and concerns. Yet we are not to have worry and anxiety. Worry and anxiety is when our cares and concerns get too great, too big, or even too many. Our life, in a sense, is like a bucket that can only handle so much water. And if that bucket fills up, what happens? It begins to spill over. And that spilling over is a good picture of what happens when our cares and concerns become too great and then turn into anxiety, turn into worry. It spills over into every other aspect of life and affects us, wrecks us even physically and emotionally and spiritually. And I think too many of us live with overflowing buckets, so to speak. And so it is a challenge when we speak on this subject because we have, in a sense, these two extremes. To care, but not care too much. In a sense, it's like bowling that way. right? All of you have been bowling. Where you throw a ball down a long, narrow lane. But on both sides is a gutter. If you... Send it too far this way, it goes into this gutter. You send it too far that way, it goes into the opposite gutter. And so you need to keep it right in the middle in order to hit the target. And that's somewhat similar to what we are talking about here. We don't want to do nothing. We don't want to be negligent. We don't want to be idle. That would be one gutter on one side. But at the same time, we don't want to make our worries into an idol and I-D-O-L, a God that we bow down to and serve and do its bidding. And so how are we to, to live life in the middle between idleness and idolatry, between negligence and life dominance, between that attitude of who cares and having an overload of crushing cares? How can we keep our hearts and minds out of the emotional and spiritual gutter, which is anxiety 
and worry? How is it that we can tackle those cares and concerns that we ought to have without them becoming too much? Well, we have the answer here, don't we? 1 Peter 5.7 We are to cast our cares upon the Lord. As we come to the Lord in prayer, we're to take our cares, take our concerns, even those that have transgressed the line and have turned into anxiety, have turned into worry, and we are to cast them upon the Lord. This term that Peter uses, I think, is intentional. Chosen specifically because the idea is to do so forcefully. It's not a delicate, half-hearted effort. It's not a light toss that he's using here. No, it's more like a major league pitcher that's trying to throw that third strike. The idea is throwing or hurling with all of your effort, with all of your strength, your cares and concerns upon the Lord. Because Proverbs tells us that anxiety is like a weight. It is like a stone that burdens us, that weighs us down. It's heavy. And therefore, you need to use some efforts to push such a stone And that is exactly what we are to do here. A a modern translation, I think, gets it right when it says, you can throw the whole weight of your anxiety upon him. That's the intention here of what Peter is saying. And we're not to hold back. We're not to keep a part of it back. We're to take all of it and put it upon the Lord. All of your cares and concerns, all of your anxieties and worries. Why? Because he is God. Not only is he God, but he is our God. And we are not. And here is really the the root of anxiety and worry. Here is really the ugliness of this sin. Is that when we worry or we are anxious, we are simply not allowing God to be God. We're not trusting that God is God enough for us. That God will not take care of this. That God will not handle this as he ought or as we want him to. Or we think that he needs our assistance. And our assistance comes through the form of worry or fretting or believing that it's all upon us. Listen again what Jesus says in a a classic passage in Matthew 6. Says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat, what you drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of them. It's a nice way for Jesus to say to us that the flowers and the birds and, in fact, all of creation essentially rebukes you. Because they don't worry. They don't have concern. 
In a sense, they have more faith than we do. In fact, Jesus says in this passage, O you of little faith. And then he goes on to say, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life? In other words, what does anxiety add of value? It doesn't. It only steals. It only robs. And so Jesus is saying, let God be God. And you be you. Be relieved of this burden. It is not yours. Last Sunday night, just a week ago, my wife and I were talking about a few things. To some degree, heavy things. Burdensome things. And it was getting late. And it was time for us to go to bed. Our children were already in bed, and we did that, which I'm sure all of you as parents do. We go around and check on your children. And so I was doing this and going into each room, and there is truly nothing more idyllic than a child sleeping. They may be devils by day, but they are angels by night. (laughs) And there was my three-year-old curled up In his bed, sleeping peacefully. Not a care or concern in the world. And it was a simple reminder to me, what more do you need? Are you more independent than he? Do you think that he relies upon you more than you need to rely upon me? Just have faith like a child. Oh, you of little faith. It's a simple recognition, isn't it? One that we need to drive down into our heart and our soul. God is God, and we are not. And that takes humility that we talked about last week. This ESV, I think, gets it right. This translation gets it right when it it says in in verse 6, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And notice here, it just has a comma. It doesn't have a period. It goes right into verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And I think that is right. That is Peter's intention here, is that a part of casting your cares upon him is a part of walking in a humble manner. That is, we walk humbly before our God. We are constantly casting our cares and concerns upon the Lord. The prideful man takes everything upon himself. But the humble man realizes he is completely dependent upon God and comes to him. Comes to him with his cares and concerns. He says, these are not mine. These are too great. These are too big. I give them to you. They are out of my control. I put them at your feet. Oh, Jesus. And we are to leave them there. We're not to put them there in prayer and then after we gather them, after we get up from our knees, gather them up again and take them with us. No, we are to cast them and to leave them. Our shoulders are not broad enough to bear these burdens, but the shoulders of Jesus truly are. Because our bucket, so to speak, is quite small, it's quite limited. But God's bucket is infinite. He can take an ocean of care and concern and it will never reach the bottom because he is 
an infinite God. He has a bottomless bucket for all the cares and concerns of his people. And that is exactly what we see here then in the third and final point, for he cares. We're to take our cares and our anxieties when they come and we're to cast them upon the Lord. Why? For he cares for you. There's no more simple and solid and beautiful answer than that. How do we know that he cares for me? Perhaps that might be a bit presumptuous for you. And it would be if the Lord did not say or did not tell us such. But the Lord has told us and has given us these very precious promises. Listen to these. These are familiar verses, but verses hopefully that are upon your heart and your mind. Verses that you probably have memorized. And if you haven't, I encourage you to do so. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. And then Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. These are the promises that must be upon our heart, that protect us, that protect our hearts and our minds as we do battle on a daily basis, along with the simple words of this verse that he cares for you. Why must we doubt that? Because he has not only said it by his word, he's demonstrated it through His actions. As I said before, our shoulders are not big enough. Our shoulders are not great enough. But the shoulders of Christ are. For his shoulders have bore the weight of all the cares and concerns of the entire world. They have bore the weight of our sin and our iniquity. Have bore the weight of the cross. So that we could be saved. So that we could be redeemed. If he did that... If he went to the point of death, even death on the cross. If he has gone to that extent, then do you think that your cares and your concerns are too much for him? Too great? Of course not. They are too great for us. They are not too great for God. And so the Lord continually demonstrates his care. And that care will come in various ways. It may come supernaturally. It may come through providential and ordinary means. It might come through provisions, materially or financially. It might come through the care of doctors and nurses or Christian counselors or pastors or even medicine. We don't deny any of those things. That is a part of the way that the Lord cares for us. His care might come through the work of others. 
His care ought to come through his church. Part of his provision for us is the care and concerns of his church. Our congregation, as you know, has been going through a lot. Weekly prayer requests and service requests and meal requests. You see how that's all a part of God's provisions for us as the people of God? To not bear our burdens alone. And it's a part of the privilege of being a part of a congregation, a part of a church, to serve one another, to lift each other up, to cast our cares upon the Lord and one another. Why? Because he cares for you. So what this morning do you need to leave with the Lord? What do you need to cast upon him? What do you need to put at his feet? How do you have to allow God to be God this morning in every area of your life, with every doubt, with every worry, with every anxious thought, and rest in the release of that burden? I'll close with this. Recently, one of our children came crying, came sobbing, and I asked them, What's wrong? Obviously thinking something is terrible. And they hold up a, a broken toy and say, it's, it's broken. And I said, well, let me, let me see it. And within two seconds, I had fixed it. I had corrected it. And immediately the tears stopped and they went happily on their way. And we might want to say, well, if only it were that easy. But perhaps it may. Not saying all of our problems will be fixed. All will be made better immediately. But if we go to the Lord, if we cast our cares and burdens upon him, we will be fixed. And we will be made better. We can be made free. And so, beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, be free this day. Live in the peace and the freedom that he provides. For he cares. For you. Join me in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this very precious promise. I pray that it would be emblazoned upon our hearts and upon our minds so that we would come to you often. In fact, constantly, O oh Lord, that with every breath you give and every worry that we may have, Lord, that we would use that breath to call upon you. Call upon for your help and your aid so that we may be faithful, O Lord, to you and that we would walk in a way that is pleasing, not burdened with a load of care that is too great, crushing us, O Lord, but that we may be lifted, we may be freed from those so that we would give obedient service to you and to others as you have called us to. For we pray this in Christ Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.